Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's still a no rules Friday, but it takes a back seat. It takes a back seat for the first time in a long time. It's a football Friday on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We want to hear from you on this football Friday, this glorious football Friday, 704-570-9610. Just hop on the text line. I know Kyle was trying to start a revolution yesterday, so maybe during the season we can get to a point where we actually take a large volume of calls to hear your thoughts on the air about the Carolina Panthers because the morale is high, the feeling is a lot better going into this season than it was last season, the season prior, the start of the Matt Rule era. But now we're starting the Bryce Young era this time. It's the Ice Age, baby. It's the Ice Age. Frank Reich era is now in town. And I know a lot more people are excited about this regime than the previous couple of seasons Mm -hmm. going into the regular years. The coaching staff, the quarterback now, you've invested in someone I'm excited as hell for not only the NFL, Wes, but college football, for some reason, a little bit more excited than usual for this upcoming year. I mean, when you just start to walk around and you smell the grass and the Saturdays and the Sundays start to turn and feel a little bit different when you wake up, you know it's coming. It's coming. It's like them. Okay. It's like those Under Armour commercials. Then it was funny. My was son, coming. my son equates football to school. Going back to school, he said last night when I was watching the Patriots game uh, for a little bit, he was like, "Man, he's like, it feels like I'm back in school again," uh, because. <laughs> He equates time to go back to school with football. I always did that with baseball because baseball was so weird. At the beginning of school, you would have the end of the baseball season and you get to the World Series and at the very beginning of November and yeah. then you'd go so far without it. And then at the end of the school year, the opening day would happen. And then it's like, all right, we're about to end. We're about to start. Yeah, baseball yeah. was a good barometer. Spring has a great feel. It to does. It too. And Fiddy, I know you're kind of hyped. I mean, more so than usual for college football. With your usual college basketball self, it seems like you have a little love for college football going into this year yeah man i mean like since i've gotten back into baseball it's usually taken me to like the week before the college football season and the nfl season to get ready i've been ready for three weeks so like last night even though it was just preseason football it was must watch tv i watched the patriots and the texans and then i watched the vikings and the seahawks it hits different i don't know nfl the the start of football season. I know we can make fun. We are the junkies. I totally get it. I'm scratching my neck like Tyrone Biggums. Y'all got any more of those football games out there? Like, it's totally true. I don't care if it's the Hall of Fame game. I don't care if it's just a preseason game. No, I'm not going to be paying attention to every single play like I will in the regular season, but it's nice to have football on in the background. Just good comfort television. You can pay attention to it, and also it's just good comfort TV in the background. So it's here we're here on a Friday pulling up to the scene. Go ahead, bus driver. Let us off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. When's the last time morale was this high before a Carolina Panthers season? Text us, 704-570-9610. My question is, was it this high after the Super Bowl run, or were there mixed emotions? Because after the Super Bowl run, you go off of what is a historic season. You go and you destroy Seattle until they came back late, but you 
took care somewhat comfortably of Seattle in the first game. You destroyed Arizona the second game, a big old letdown against the Denver Broncos, but it felt like a team that was built to last, not a dynastic team by any stretch, but mm-hmm. you felt like this was going to be a team that finally got over the hump and got back-to-back winning seasons. They were going to go to the postseason for sure in back-to-back years, and then it was disappointing. But it feels like morale is as high as it's been in quite some time going into a regular season. Wes, I would go to like 2016. Is that a fair assessment from you? Yeah, I think so. Because when you look at it and you talk about all the things that have happened this offseason, it's almost been uh, planted into Carolina fans' heads that this is going to be a, a good season. When you look at all the goodwill from the coaches that were hired, then you get Bryce Young, and then he's been pretty much as advertised by a lot of accounts uh, through camp so far. So there's a lot to be excited about, a lot of new faces on the offense. Uh, you got a new defense, a new base scheme there. You got some young players that you're excited the about. New so, is, yeah, the man. new is important. Yeah. The new is new important. New is always sure. great. What you got, Fitty? So, like, I was just going to push back on, like, now, I'm not a Panther fan. After the Super Bowl run, though, I wasn't as optimistic because when you see a team have what they had a, a dream year where it all came together, it was really hard to – it's really hard to replicate that back-to-back years given that they didn't have a whole lot of star talent on the offensive side of the ball. I, for me, as a casual observer, I'm going to go to Matt Rule's first year. 704-980. you know, Let's there go. was so much <laughs> – there was oh, so boy. much hype around the hire. Like many coaches, he won the press conference. They brought in Joe Brady. Like, you know, the, he, he did a lot of things right in the offseason. I think COVID really stunted what could have been a good first year for him. But as a casual observer, I remember the excitement that this fan base had when, whenever Matt Rule was first hired. Yeah, it's it's not awful. I wonder if the text line is going to be kind to you with that take because yeah. Matt Rule has been so bad. He was so bad with Carolina, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily wrong. And I left the door open for mixed emotions. In fact, we did have a text come in from a 704 number. Definitely mixed feelings for that 2016 season. I'm so excited about Bryce Young. I think he'll be the truth. But I was one, I guess, that looked more optimistically at that 2016 season. Because remember, going into 2015, you didn't have the kind of morale going into that year. Kelvin Benjamin gets hurt in joint practice, misses the entire season, and we knew he was going to miss it with that torn ACL and he was by far our best receiver considered our best receiver coming off of a 1,000 yard rookie season at the time it's like oh Greg Olson and that's it this offense is in the toilet but no Cam Newton had an MVP year Billy Brown did just enough Ted Ginn did just enough Jericho Cotri and you know Greg Olson was going to lead the team in receiving and be the number one target the offensive line help and you know the story of the 2015 team Maybe, maybe Fiddy is right. I just think a new quarterback and with things addressed on the roster, seemingly more so than what it was even when Matt Rule came aboard. That's why I don't know if I go back to that season. Still enough question marks for me, but Fiddy's not wrong. There was hype surrounding Matt Rule. Well, I think the thing, too, when you talk about the 2016 team is that, for one, you felt like you were on the precipice of the Cam Newton era. The fact that he had won the MVP, it was improbable. So you thought that once he came back the next season that he was about to go on a tear through the league where he was just going to be balling out of control 
control year after year after year. And when you have a quarterback of that caliber, then you're always going to be a contender. You couple that with that defense and the way they played in the Super Bowl and the fact that you lost the Super Bowl in a very close defensive game. If you'd gone and gotten blown out like Denver did the one year by Seattle, then maybe it would have been different. But I think fans were optimistic because you were so close. And also, I'm a big believer in paying dues in sports. And Cam was still a relatively young quarterback. And you felt like, all right, this is just the the, the stepping stone for him yeah. to come back and win championships. So I could see the angle that the 2016 season took. And also, you were like, man, the off- offense was great. Now you get Kelvin Benjamin back. That's right. It's about to be popping. That's so honestly what I thought, too. I could see that. Yeah, so we got a couple of texts splitting the difference here with Fiddy's take. 803 said, Fiddy's right. I was 10 toes down with Matt Rule until he got fired. 919, why y'all bring it up old bleep? It's moving forward time, baby. But that's the thing, 919. That's the beauty of it. We are moving forward. And we're reminiscing on the journey that it took to get here. We had to endure the tough times of Matt Rule going after a retread QB and not working out. And now we're moving on to (laughs) a different QB, somebody you invested in, a different coach. So, yes, we are just looking back at, you know what? We're all better for having gone through it. And if you survived, now you get to reap the benefits of what is a new regime, a new head coach, a new quarterback. And it's all glorious heading into this upcoming season. But I do think you're right, Wes. I think going back to that, you know, every other year you would have a winning season. It seemed like after the Super Bowl year, they would certainly go back to back winning years. I want to talk about college football, too, because it's still the same thing, right? I do like too. college football. I'm with Fiddy and I don't I can't necessarily put my finger on it. But I'm really excited about college football this year. It's it's probably of the top four. I, I love college football. If I had to rank them, I would still put it probably fourth on the whole NFL, college basketball, NBA, mm. college football. That's just me, though. Man, that's just me. No doubt. No NFL doubt. is going to be at the top as, as far NFL as NFL is my top as well. Entertaining product. Yeah. But college football this year, I'm as excited for this sport as I have been in a long time. Because I, I think... Even with college football realignment, trying to take the fun out of the conversation of this upcoming season. I heard Fiddy make a very good point. Here, I'm showering him with love today. I heard him make a good point on Charlotte Sports Today and one of the shows that he did this week. What is a talking point going to be on college game day? It's going to be about realignment instead of celebrating what is about to, you know, what is about to be dropped upon us with this college football season. But I'm excited for it because I think the ACC is going to finish in a better spot than where they're going to start. I think they are going to get more national love. And I know it's a naive take. It's been like this for a while. I just think that these teams are going to end in a better spot than where they start. Yeah, and I mean, for me, and I'd like to know from the Texans out there, rank your sports. How do you like it? Where do you put it? Because for me, it's NFL number one and then major college football number two. There's a difference. I'm a bit of an elitist when it comes to college sports. I like the big boy football. Now who's bougie? I can't sit there and watch, you know, Toledo and Kent State on a Tuesday night. But big-time college football, I'm here for it. Even though I do like FCS playoffs, Division II, Division Three playoff games, I do enjoy those. Wes, are you bougie and bringing your sous vide to the tailgate yes, party? Yes, I'm very much like that, too, with NCAA tournament. Hate the underdogs. I like to see a, a all-top yeah. seed Final Four. But anyway, uh, th- I think the thing, too, about college football this year is there's so much unknown. You've got Georgia coming back as the national championship 
national champions. Can they three-peat? But they've got so many new faces on both sides of the ball. Alabama, you're not hearing great things about them. Ohio State's had to replace their quarterback and a lot of other several uh, several different players on each side of the ball. So a lot of the top teams are reloading. There's no clear-cut team unless you want to say, all right, Georgia's going to win it because they look so dominant the last two years. We feel like they're just going to reload, wash, rinse, repeat. But I don't know that that's the case. And so I think that's what's making it great, too. The parody, the unknown coming into this season. We got people ranking their favorite four big sports, if you will. I know baseball is in there as well, but um, baseball, I would imagine, for a lot of people, it's towards the bottom of a top five that you would put out there. Moose mm. said college football, NFL, college basketball, and the NBA. What I will say is even if I like the NFL the most, it's the most entertaining. It's, it's the culture that we talk about, right? It's the thing that everybody sets their weekend around. You tailgate. You're out there tailgating a game the morning before it even starts in the afternoon or whether it be 1 p.m., 4.15, you get the idea. A big-time college football game will surpass the NBA and college basketball to me. Yes. Like when you got a monster game to decide who's going to go to the college football playoff, mm-hmm. conference championship games, even in the regular season, you got a top five, top ten matchup. That's going to get right on up there second to the NFL. Fitty, I know you're a, obviously a hoop head, as you like to say. Both of us are. But I know you're a big old fan of college football, and it does seem to be hitting different for you this year. Yeah, like, look, college basketball will always be like it, – it'll always be my first in my – my true love, but it's, it's for like my one team. Like, you now I watch all the other teams play in college basketball, but it's not like we're college football, it's destination. We joked about this last year when the show got put together. I lock myself in my house during the college football season. I don't leave. Oh, we, we've talked about this. Yeah. Yes, I forgot. Right. No dates, yes. no nothing. Yes, locked up Fitty. He's coming back. <laughs> like, you know, I, I sit I sit at my house and watch it for 14, 15 straight hours. Same thing with the NFL. It's just a celebration. It's it's a religion because you you set aside the one day and you want and that one day you devote everything. Like Wes said, like you you plan when you go to church, when you're going to eat, when you're going to birthday parties. I I skip weddings. I skip everything. Yeah, man. To to, to watch football. It's real. I told you guys in the fishbowl when we went to Seattle last year. Uh, you know, and, and, and my girl's family, they had that wedding going on. And I said, honey, why would he schedule I can't this believe wedding? he went. On the first weekend of college football. <laughs> and look, this this was the same old debate that we had last year when I was on a wedding tour, and I'm still in it. I, I'm on the back end of the wedding tour, but last year, yeah, there were a lot of weddings in the fall, and they were close enough people, friends, family, that I needed to go, and it was unfortunate that it happened. Now, I'm still going to get my party on. Yeah. I'm not necessarily as against the weddings in the fall as you are. I'd rather it be somewhere different because I'm still – because then you can still have football games on, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah, it, it, you can still have it on at the reception. In fact, yeah, but that's you see, a great time. But you see, you must not be a yeller during when you're not watching because – like, it don't matter who I'm watching. Like, if I'm sitting there watching Ohio State Notre Dame, I'm a yell. Yeah, Listen, you don't you don't think people yell at wedding receptions? <laughs> do, do you yell? Because you don't give off yeller vibes. College football. <laughs> Listen, I told my girl, ain't gonna be no fall wedding, and if it is then I'm going to look out for everybody. I'm going to have multiple TVs so that the fiends, because all my friends, listen, we're all birds of a feather. Yes. So Cat's going to be West. Come on, dog. And I'm going to have the TVs right out there 
for you to be able I to I need fly. to tell you this story real quickly. So when my brother got married in 2011, that was the year that Butler got to the Final Four for the second straight season. Remember, my family is from Indianapolis. The wedding was held in the heart of Indianapolis, and we didn't know that Butler was going to get to the Final Four, but the wedding was scheduled for that exact same day, and the wedding reception had to plan for TVs because Butler made the Final Four. Flash forward a week after, his wife, now wife, the professional ping pong player that we talked about that appeared on Entourage, that actually coached quite a few athletes in L.A., once she found out it was the only the Final Four and not the championship game, she said, wait, you're telling me that we had to make all of those arrangements for a semifinal? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, this is basketball, Butler basketball in Indianapolis. you damn right we're making these arrangements, and I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's your wedding. I get it. Everything else you got control of, but in in, in in Indianapolis, in a state that bleeds basketball like that, I'm sorry. Semifinal game? Yeah, it's yeah, a big man. deal. We're going to have to put that on the uh, television. 704-570-9610. If you got any wedding sports stories, you can share those again on the text line. We'll move on. We're going to have a rough draft debut of the Dubs, a segment I think we're going to be working with throughout the NFL season and the college football season. It's coming up next. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Happy Football Friday to all that observe with Fiddy calling it a religion. 704-570-9610. Little rough draft debut of the dubs coming up. We're going to try to workshop this thing, whether it be a game day dub going into the weekend. Carolina Panthers, when they play, is it more of a predictive segment or is it more of a recap segment? I don't know, but we're going to drop it right now and see how it works because this show is so saturated with the letter W. Wes and Walker on WFNZ. When Willie hops in, that's just another W added to the mix. We got so many, they're oozing out of our pores, this letter is, right? So I thought, okay, let's just go with the dubs and run with it like Golden State. Let's roll with the who, what, where, when, why. Ask some of these questions. Give you our main takeaways or our things that we're looking at going into the weekend. And continue with the dub theme shall we so this is where i want to start off with the game going into the weekend four o'clock kickoff tomorrow against the new york jets the first preseason game the first action we're going to see in the nfl from one bryce young if we want to start with who we're paying attention to just one player or a coach whatever but who we're paying attention to bryce young we can get cute you can give a second answer if you want but there is not more of a correct answer than Bryce Young being the guy that leads off the who category. Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100%. And so I'll go in a different direction. And I love what you did there because I remember when we were uh, fleshing this out, so to speak, and trying to come across with how we wanted the different categories to go. So definitely love what you did. So I wanted to give the credit there. Thanks, oh, the dude, you flowers. can give me credit all the time. You know what you, I'm saying? Do you want to continue to do that and just do the segment later on? Do you want to continue <laughs> to compliment me? Because yeah. I'll take that. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball. I want to see Jeremy Chan. I want to see how he is used in this game, what they do uh, for him, how long he's in. But I think he'll definitely get his share reps. And so with all of the hype that we've heard this offseason, I mean, I would feel like on the defensive side of the ball, outside of Brian Burns, 
his storyline has to have gotten the most hype this offseason. So I want to see the genesis uh, of the reclamation of Jeremy Chan and see uh, if he's going to come out and just be all over the place and just causing a ruckus. We'll talk about it a little bit later because Frank Reich did say he was going to play all the starters, that they're in a different situation this year than other NFL teams are. So the Jets are going to be holding a lot of guys out, but they're going to go to Jeremy Chan and Bryce Young because they're in a different situation. They feel they need snaps going into the season for a lot of their starters. Fiddy, I want to bring you into this one because Wolfpack James and Brian, they brought to my attention a nickname we haven't called you in a long time for another W. I forgot all about Witty Fiddy. We used to call you that. I, I think I ran with that for a nice month-long stretch, but you have so many different nicknames. I think it just got lost in chaos, but Witty Fiddy, that's one of the favorite ones, and I know you like to feel yourself as Witty as well, so you can roll with that if you want. It's more that you just ignore it because I'm witty every single day and you just want to move right. on from all of my wit <laughs> <laughs> You could have stopped. You could have stopped right there at wit and then you can't wittism, wittiness. I don't know. Uh, Fiddy, let's bring you into this, though, shall we? I don't want to forget about you like you just accused me of doing. Mm. So is there a who outside of Bryce Young or are you not going to play the game? You're just going to say it's the rookie first overall pick that they have at quarterback. Okay, I, I'm I'm going to go with the rookie, and I'll go with the guy that we were talking about a little bit yesterday, DJ Johnson. Is this going to be a guy that almost justifies Carolina trading up to draft? Because I think that's the biggest reason why we were skeptical of the pick was that they traded up to get him when every NFL draft guy told us that dude was going to be there at 93. Hell, he might have been there in later rounds, but you moved up to go get him. The guy's an athletic freak. If, if, if it all comes together and he has a role, he can be a really productive uh, member of that defense. DJ Johnson's like a good that. one. That's a nice pick. No, it is a good pick. And I saw on some of the guys trending up, guys trending downward and what we've seen in training camp, the young edge rushers were on the category and trending down. Sure. DJ Johnson headlighting your young edge rushers right now. So not great, but actually, if you know, uh, the pass rush will show up a little bit later for me on the dub. But the thing about it was they did say that a lot of it was because because of the arrival of Justin Houston and not necessarily because they've been playing poorly. So that, that's, that's, that's a good point. No, it is a good point because we have seen stuff positive from Marquise Haynes. It's just we haven't heard a lot from DJ. Yeah. I can't really think of any point where people have pointed and said, hey, what DJ's been doing well in one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe there's something you know. I did see some stuff, and I saw that that he had been setting the edge well, and they That's did they say that do. Shaq Thompson uh, asked for him to be a part of the rotation um, oh, that's the rest big. of the linebackers to get him uh, more reps. So he has been starting to come on a little bit uh, as a player, but just the fact of, as you said, with the rival Justin Houston, they were talking about the reps and the opportunities being gobbled up from some of these young guys. All right, so if Bryce Young is the obvious answer, I'll give you one. How about Jonathan Mingo? We got to see your boy last like night, like Wes Tank Dell. Had a touchdown catch. Mm. I figured you would mm. be putting something in the group chat <laughs> or our Twitter group chat. <laughs> and lo and behold, I got to see people raving about Tank Dell showing up in our group chat. And even Fitty said, yeah, I thought about you when he yeah, made that man. catch last I night. I mean, I just, you know, I love the he looks good. He looks phenomenal good. showstoppers. That's what he looks like. Man, that touchdown catch was, was nuts. But yeah. it's a continuation, too. And that's the thing. People can say, oh, it's preseason. It's preseason. But this is a continuation of what they said this guy's been doing the entire 
entire camp and the entire offseason, they said Tank Dale has been Well, he's a good college player. Yeah. yeah uh, no, it's, it's nice to see these flashes right now. Give me Mingo, though, right? If we want to talk about a rookie wide receiver with Houston yeah. and a rookie QB, I want to see if Jonathan Mingo carries this momentum from the back half of training camp down in Spartanburg. Can he carry that to Bank of America Stadium in preseason game number one against the New York Jets? I want to see Jonathan Mingo involved. Here's where I'll talk about the pass rush. So if we move on to the other dub, the what, what is going to garner most of your attention in this game? Does the pass rush show up? Fitty teased it a little bit with DJ Johnson. I just want to see the entire pass rush show up. Borderline dominant performance is what I want from this team, Wes. Because if you're going to the Jets side of things, and they're not playing a lot of their starters, the offensive line got beat up as everybody was panicking on get up in the A block after they had their joint practice, and they're not going to have Dwayne Brown out there. Some of the starters aren't going to be playing for the New York Jets. You have Zach Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and going to be suiting up in preseason game number one. So if you have second and third string QBs, if you have an offensive line that was already coming into the season ranked as one of the lower units and they're banged up and they have some of their better guys out, you know, dominant might be too much, but I want to see them have a couple of sacks. I want them I want them to get after the quarterback. And so that's what I'm going to be paying attention to a lot on the defense for sure. Can the pass rush show up like it did in joint practice in two minute drill? Yeah, I also want to check out the interior of Carolina's offensive line. When you talk about Cade Mays and, and Brady Christensen, uh, those guards, they said they really had a hard time uh, inside playing against the Jets. And they said that they really struggled. And so that's the thing I'm going to be looking at. We we saw C.J. Stroud's performance last night, which, albeit, it was only a few throws, and we're going to talk about that later. But that offensive line looked very porous, and so I uh, want to see the improvements, uh, if there are any, for this offensive line because they said that they had a tough time out there, the joint practices uh, on that interior. And then, of course, Icky uh, out there on the edge. How's he going to look? Is he going to keep his man quiet for, I guess, the one or two series is that he'll be out there? Yeah, K-Town Mafia and Cam tweets things, both talking about the offensive line. Mafia saying, I'd want to see the right guard position. That's going to be key in keeping pressure out of Young's face, at least until Corbett is back. Cam tweets things. Same kind of mantra there. He said, I want to see anyone who plays right guard. Offensive line depth in general is interesting to me. And then another one here, Big Cat Dan said, good one, Fitty. Yeah, you're, we're praising you a lot right now. It's a good football <laughs> Fitty Friday for you. Big Cat Dan said, good one, Fitty. They did pass on a certain linebacker from Clemson for DJ Johnson, too. And so you want DJ Johnson to perform here. Is there any aspect you wanted to share on the what? What is going to be garnering most of your attention, whether it be an aspect, anything at all that you're going to be paying attention to the most going into preseason game number one? I know they're not going to show a lot of of, uh, of it on tape. I just want to see what this defense actually does look like. As we've heard, we've heard so much hype around this unit. And like, and you guys, like, have you ever heard so much hype about an offense or a defense in the last three to five years, as we've heard about Evero's defense with all the different stuff he does with, you know, the way he schemes, the way he disguises, you've got talent at all three levels. You got Burns at your pass rusher. You got Shaq Thompson at your linebacker. You got JC Horn in your secondary. I just want to see, I know it's going to be limited. What does it all look like? Because I think there's a lot of 
expectation that this unit's a top 10 defense in the NFL. All right, let's move on to the what. I'm a method man. Can the pass rush show <laughs> up like it did in joint practice? We moved on from that. Uh, we already did the what. Another one for me is Matt Corral will be the most featured guy in this preseason. So I want to see how he performs. Can he be trade bait? That's another thing I'll be paying attention to. The win, Wes. I think this question surrounds when we're going to see Bryce Young exit the game. CJ Stroud last night. Can talk about him a little bit later. Two of four passing attempts, one interception, only 11 plays, but the offensive line look real bad. When do we see Bryce Young exit the game after Frank Reich told you we're going to be playing the starters? So the offensive line, the starters right now will be blocking for him. Do we see him play more than C.J. Stroud? And will we see him play more than a quarter? I think uh, he'll play two series. And then I think if they score, if they go down and have a nice drive in one series, their first one, he may sit out after that. But if I had to be a gambling man, I'd go two series. What about you? When, Fiddy, when will Bryce Young exit the game? Yeah, I, I think I think at the most it's it's two series. If, if they go right down the field and, and score, I think he's done. I think the question is, is if let's say they have back-to-back three and outs, do you leave him in there? Or do you you pull him and say, well, we'll try again next week? Yeah, we're going to see a lot of Matt Corral. I know that because Frank Reich talked about it. But also, I'm putting a lot of stock into this quote. Quote, we just feel like we're at a different stage than these other teams. A lot of teams won't play their starters in the preseason. We've talked as a team from the very beginning and said, hey, we're going to play in the preseason. We've got to get ready to go. With that mindset, I think Bryce Young plays the first quarter. I think he plays until we hear, until we see the clock hit zero, and then you move on to the second. Then you might bring in Matt Corral for large majority of the snaps the rest of the way. I think he plays more than C.J. Stroud because the reason Stroud was taken away from that game because he kept getting beat up. Yeah. So if the offensive line plays better, I expect them to. I certainly hope so. Then you see a full first quarter, especially with the emphasis they keep telling us that they're going to play the starters. I think he exits after the first quarter, whether that be three series or two. The first quarter is what I'm looking at. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good bet as well. Uh, as I said, most teams that first game they want to go light as they can on the starter. So as I said, I feel like that he's going to be productive in his time uh, in the game. And so I think I think even if they have two three and outs. I think like yeah. Vitty said, they say, hey, let's just try again next week and we'll get you some more. Right? 100%. Let's move on to the where. Where on the field are you going to be looking to first and foremost? A position group if you want to pick one of the positions out there. I'm going to the tight end group. So Frank Reich's offense, you've talked about those offenses heavily using the tight end. Not only one, but you see two guys get involved in the passing game. We haven't seen any tight ends in the past couple of years get involved in the passing games. Yet you still have those tight ends that have not been involved in the passing game, right? Hayden Hurst comes over. He's going to be the most targeted tight end that you have on this team. But after they're done playing the starters, after Hayden Hurst is done after a first quarter or whatever, who is the next guy that is receiving the most targets? Does Bryce Young already have a rapport with a Tommy Tremble or an Ian Thomas? The depth chart right now says the two starting tight ends are Ian Thomas and Hayden Hurst. But Ian has always been this blocking guy. So is Tommy Tremble the second most targeted tight end at the end of the season? But right now it's camouflaged because Ian is the starter, even though it's in a blocking role. I'm looking at the tight end group to see if anybody shows out. Yeah, and so I'm going to go back on your first point when you brought up Mingo, but I'm going to look at the wide receivers. Uh, I want to see... Feeling. I want to see what he looks like. I want to see DJ Chark. I want to see uh, what some of these younger wideouts too. And uh, I'm not sure because the, the the tricky part is if you're going to be vanilla during the preseason, 
Are you going to show anything of what you're going to do with LaVisca Chenault? Or when he right. gets in the game, is he going to be a traditional wide receiver? Like that, That's the question uh, that I'd want to see there. Terrence Marshall Jr., does he get in there and make routine catches? Does he make the routine play? Does he show that he can be, you know, go from being a one to two catch guy per game to just showing that he's capable of being a dependable receiver, catching six, seven, eight balls, something like that. Not saying that's what he'll do in this game. But I just want to see him make good on all the highlights and all the the hype that we hear from him uh, day in and day out. So I'm going to look at the wide receivers, Mingo as well. The where you're looking at, Fitty. I'm going to go with the cornerback room. Besides the cheerleaders. <laughs> wow. Mm. After He went there. Second cheerleader reference after a fire fizzle reference yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to go with the cornerback room because, you know, like we, I think we feel pretty good about J.C. Horn. We feel pretty good about Dante Jackson. But there's legitimate concerns about Henderson and Rising Star, according to Willie P. Keith Taylor. Do they help lessen those concerns, or do we come out of this game saying, you know what, we added the the we added Justin Houston, we got to go get another corner? There's such a long list of things that Willie will never be able to outlive. It is his take that Cam Newton returning was a good thing. It's Baker Mayfield being fantastic for this squad. It's his dry brisket, and now it's Rising Star Keith Taylor. The list is never ending. I apologize, Willie P. Finally, the why. Why will we be feeling good on Monday about what the Panthers accomplished Saturday? Why will we be feeling bad? I'll encompass all of it in just one statement. How well does Bryce Young play? Because it's okay to throw it. Look, we're going to have a little bit of a different tenor if Bryce Young has a debut like C.J. Stroud did. It doesn't mean that we're going to be running around <laughs> panicking. We're not going to be panicking. Oh, is this the wrong pick? It's the worst thing ever. But that interception in a real game experience is going to hurt a little more than having these interceptions against the defense in practice, the same old defense that you've been playing against time and time again. We'll be feeling great if Bryce Young throws a touchdown, plays a few series, looks good. We're going to be feeling bad if Bryce Young throws an interception and plays like C.J. Stroud. You said the tenor is going to change. It's going to be like, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a bug <laughs> flew in your mouth. What? Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think a lot is going to be made of each and every throw that he makes. They're going to dis- dissect every single And I will be hurting that problem as well. That I will he be throws. doing the same. But... <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to be 100%. doing that because that's our job. And so, uh, but I'd like to think he's going to come out and be productive. This is going to be big for him. And I won't be upset if he throws an interception, man. Like I said, this will be, I know the joint practices were his first uh, real look at an opposing team but this will be his first look at an opposing team in game action things happen and we don't always know why the interceptions occur context will be very important as it always is and i'm not gonna again i want to make very clear i'm not gonna say that this is a bust (laughs) after one interception he's a bust yo I i told you i think there will be a little bit more to it if there is an interception shown in this game rather than the interceptions that I've actually liked, I, I've actively liked those interceptions because it shows that he wasn't playing scared, that they weren't coaching him scared. What about you, Fitty? Let's end it. So am I picking back off just off of Bryce Young or why? Whatever you want, man. This so, is your why. What's your why, Fitty? I think What's we're going to come out of this feeling positive because for the first time in threes, we have a competent organization that's going to be on the field. I mean, think about through all of Matt Rule's training camps. They never really had a plan. They never really had an identity. This team's had a plan. They've executed. They have an identity of who they want to be, what they're trying to be. And I think you're going to see that for the first time on Saturday. Whether they win or lose, I don't think I don't, I don't think anyone really cares if they lose the game. 
But I think you're going to see the first little ingredient of, the, of why we think they can be a playoff team. That was the dubs. We'll move on to the collegiate ranks, the campus corner. Will we see a change in power this season within the ACC? And we'll hear a soundbite from Josh Pate. Coming up next, campus corner, Wesson Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Hit us up on the text line 704-570-9610. Hit up the socials. We got the question of the day coming for you. We got all the behind the scenes access on the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram at Walker Mail, at Wesson Walker, at HTB underscore Josh, and at West Bryant underscore 72 on Twitter and Instagram. And now it is time to go to the campus. All right, we talked about it at the top of the show. The anticipation for college football this season and just how excited everyone is. Even amongst all of the realignment talk, ACC still trying to figure out what they are going to do. Let's hear from Josh Pate on the late kick with Josh Pate. And he talked about college football and he said, give me 2007 college football over 2027 college football. Would you rather take college football as it was in 2007, or would you rather take college football the way you think it will be in 2027? I mean, it's a slam dunk for me. I'd, you give me the BCS eight days out of the week. We still had regionality. Uh, you had never heard the phrase bowl opt-out before. You had never heard the phrase meaningless November game. You did not have a college football playoff. I'm not just romanticizing the past. I remember the flaws. I remember what I liked and didn't like at the time. I'm still in love with 07 over over what 2027 is going to look like. That's not to say, you know, the sport is is doomed and falling off a cliff. But, man, if you're talking about preferability, go back to 07. Take me back to 07 or 08 or 09. Man, that is an interesting take. One I have kind of mixed emotions about, uh, especially when he brings up the BCS era and you had two teams that were picked by a computer for the national championship as opposed to the playoff era that we're in now that is ever expanding. There was no NIL. There was no uh, transfer portal. You had to sit out pretty much no matter what. And so it was quite a different time in college football back then. But now I do kind of like NIL. And then with the realignment as a fan, I feel like this. As long as I'm gamefully employed by the sport, I'm not really worried too much about what's going to happen because I think that the games and the matchups that we're going to get in these super-duper-duper-duper conferences are going to be pretty fun. I know there are definitely some downsides to this, but Walker, what say you on what Josh Pate had to say and which one would you choose? I guess if Josh Pate wants 2007 college football over 2027, then he wants it frozen in time. Because what happens is, BCS or not, dudes are still going to sit out after that became a thing in order to get ready for the NFL draft. The BCS had no implication on whether you're going to sit out or not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're talking about only four teams still getting to the playoff. So if you only have four teams, you still have a lot of other guys. I mean, not in BCS days. What I'm saying is right now, right now, you have only four teams that are getting to the playoff. And so if that's the case then dudes are still going to sit out of all these bowl games. In fact, you might even have more guys sit out in 2007 
So if you go to 2027 and then you expand the field, okay, maybe you have more, you know, you'll have more guys play because they're going to be playing for a championship. And if we were all about giving the little guy a shot, then playoff expansion does that more than the BCS does. And the other thing is realignment. It's going to happen whether the BCS is in play or not either, mm-hmm. right? Because it's all about the money. I, I think when we're talking about the popularity of the sport growing, BCS wouldn't change the popul- uh, popularity. So when he talks about it being regional, I totally agree that college sports altogether, it's all about the region. It is a regional sport. But do you think that the regional part of this is saved because of BCS? No. So if he's saying that the BCS would have changed all this, then I completely disagree. But if he's saying he wishes everything was the exact same and we didn't have the movement that you've had on the popularity of the sport, then okay, that's fine. But it it does us no good, right? 2027, it's coming whether you like it or not. Yeah, I'm going to go with 2027 college football as well. And so also we're talking about the ACC. Will that remain frozen in time as far as the Clemson Tigers being on top of the leagues? PFF came out with their college football power rankings. And so I found it interesting. The Clemson Tigers, obviously, an 83% chance to make a bowl, 12% chance to win the ACC, 9% chance of making the CFP, and a 2% chance of winning the CFP. And we gone down to the Florida State Seminoles, who were 16th in their power rankings, but they had a 93% chance to make a bowl, but a 20% chance of winning the ACC, 16% chance of making the CFP, and a 4% chance of winning the CFP. So do you feel like that a power shift is coming? Because according to Aaron Murray, former Georgia quarterback, he talked about how he thinks that uh, Clemson is the most or one of the most overrated teams coming into this college football season. He pointed to the rise of Florida State. He pointed to Dabo Sweeney perhaps being a little bit out of touch Dabo. with today's recruits as among the reasons that he thinks that Clemson could finish around 9-3 and three and somewhere closer to 15, as he put it. So what do you think about all of this? Well, do I... You're asking what do you think that there's going to be a shift in power? And do you think that this is the beginning of the Clemson Tigers not being the uber dominant team that they've been in the league over the last eight, nine seasons? Yeah, I I don't think that there's going to be a shift in power within the ACC. I mean, this is the thing. It's not like Clemson was totally shocking us last year. And yet they still win the ACC championship and they dominate North Carolina, who, yes, had been faltering at the end. But this is not a team that it even was phenomenal last year. They didn't get great quarterback play, and yet they still won. Even with you talking about them not being a team that had a ton of wide receivers all over the place that were going to the NFL in the first round like previous years. They didn't have a defensive line like they had had in previous years, and yet they still win the ACC championship. I could maybe see his point about Clemson being overrated in the grand scheme of things, that they won't get to the college football playoff because they'll lose one game, two games. That would be enough to keep them out but if we're talking about Clemson within the ACC they still are going to be the team that I would most like to bet my money on compared to any other college football program in the conference he said nine and three would be a death blow for the Tigers for their program like he said it would be tremendous I don't think so either Uh, I think Clemson's in an interesting spot because I don't know that they have
have their quarterback, and I don't know the skill talent is going to be as dominant as it's been. So I do think they're in an interesting spot because when you look at the recruiting rankings, Florida State is on the rise. This is going to be a huge season and going towards the perception of who's on top of the league. If FSU does come out and is as people think they will be and come out and dominate, then I think there is going to be the perception around the league, especially if Clemson does not win the ACC championship, if they don't even get to Charlotte especially. But if they don't win the ACC championship this year and Florida State does, I think you are going to see the opinions of a lot of people shift to think that Clemson is becoming uh, the second place team in the ACC. But as they say, that's why they play the game. And when we come back on the Wesson Walker show, we're going to talk about CJ Stroud's performance last night, how that offensive line looked. And is there any reason to be concerned for one Bryce Young, that and more? This is the Wesson Walker show, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.